1: We have Mike Stoller with us here this afternoon. Mike, really appreciate your time. And before we kick things off, I want to make sure everybody has your contact information. But first of all, Mike hosts a podcast of his own, and it's called The Richer Geek Podcast. So make sure you subscribe to that. Uh, Hit pause if you need to on this episode and subscribe to his podcast and check that out. Because Mike has kind of a unique uh, investment strategy that we're going to be chatting about today. Um, Also, if you want to reach out to Mike and ask him some questions directly, you can always find him on LinkedIn as well as through his website, gatewaype.com. And that stands for gateway. See, I was going to screw that up. It gets a little (laughs) too long. That's why you shorten it, right? Gatewaype.com, gateway private equity group. Really appreciate your time, Mike.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: So I know that you have some, uh, let's start things off. I'm always curious because uh, it, and people keep hearing me say this over and over again, but real estate investing, it seems to be a kind of an accidental occupation for most. How did you go from being a naval pilot to real estate investing?
2: Well, I was in the, uh, you know, what I did is Way back when, uh, I think everyone and, and a lot of your listeners read uh, the Robert Kiyosaki's book.
1: Oh, yeah. And, rich Dad, uh, Poor Dad. Rich is pretty... Dad,
2: Poor Dad. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the one of the Bibles of, of real estate. And that got our attention. And so I, I tried it. You know, it, it was uh, this was back in the late 90s, pre-internet, you know, it was, it was before computers almost. And just started, you know, he said, go do it. And I did it and man, failed miserably. Um, It was just horrendous because I can't Google how to be a landlord. It's very easy to buy. Right. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't easy. You know, all of a sudden I had eight properties and I'm like, okay, now what? You know, uh, what kind of forms do you need? How do you evict? What kind of property management experience. So it completely failed. And then uh, went to work for the commercial airlines and used that money to uh, get back into real estate in 2012. Because I knew that it's like, you know, that's it. Real estate is it. I cannot sit here and just continue this. Um, That's where the money's at. I learned my Lessons, and so I got back into it in uh, 2012 and bought a fourplex. That's how I got back into it.
1: Mm-hmm. So, what were some of those lessons that you have learned along the way? Now that uh, you wished you would have known when you started off?
2: Oh boy, yeah, there's a lot. Um,
1: Probably chew up the whole episode, right?
2: <laughs> it would chew up the whole episode. <laughs> you know, everybody, you listen to how wonderful. The success stories are in in real estate, and yes, I do have one. You know, I went from a fourplex to a dozen homes and two hotels in seven years. Uh, you know, we have over oh close to sixteen million dollars in assets right now, and and we did it ever since uh, twenty twelve, and, and bought our last hotel in twenty nineteen. But man, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of things that um, I, I wish I had. Number one is uh, get a mentor everyone needs don't do it on your own um don't trust reddit don't trust you know all these other things um because the internet does not it's going to be a shock the internet does not always tell the truth and you don't know if the person's website you're on just watched H, an HGTV episode and now he's an expert mm-hmm. or does he have decades of, of real life experience so get a mentor That would have saved me so much time and effort and pain and heartache if I just had someone to reach out to and learn from. Um, Number two is set up your entities. Never put anything in your own name. Set up, get uh, a a good CPA, get a good attorney um, that knows how to do these. Don't go on the website and download um, operating agreements, things like that. Just do it the right way. Put everything in LLC. And the reason why you do that is the liability. Tenants will and can, and it, it just stuff happens. You want to be able to protect yourself. What you don't want to do is lose your entire net worth over one rental that someone, you know, s- slipped over a crack or did something like that. You get sued and then because it's in your own name, they can go after your entire net worth, all of your assets. Um, protect yourself. Put it into uh, LLCs.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's great advice. Have you, have you even found the, that it's even worthwhile to have an LLC for each, each property?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, that's a great question. In the beginning, uh, the way I set it up is you know your own risk. You know how much you want to um, risk each individual house. Now, what I do is because I have investors, I'll maybe bunch a couple of homes into one LLC. Because here's what happens is once you get into a dozen homes or 20 homes or 30 homes, plus two hotels, plus all this sort of stuff, and you have an LLC for every single one of those, you're going to be spending... $15,000 Fifteen thousand dollars plus in CPA, um, just fees because each one of those would have to have a, a tax return. So the way that you should do it, and you know, I'm not a CPA, blah blah blah. You know, there's disclaimers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah, insert disclaimer here. <laughs> insert yeah. disclaimer here. Uh, but the way that, that we do it is if if you're starting out, and you have less than five. Go ahead and put them in. Um, individual LLCs and you'll know your, your risk levels. But then I put a, each one of those, they're owned by its own holding company. So each one of those LLCs is a pass through into a holding company. So that's how I get by with just doing one tax return mm-hmm. is they all kind of funnel up into the same holding company. So I have all of these pass throughs, but still my God, just, you know, the level of headache, having, a uh, hundred different LLCs, if you have a hundred different homes. So what I do is if I have a one investor and we have three or four homes, we'll put that in, in, into one LLC, but yes, when when you're starting out individual LLCs, you know, that's, the, that's great.
1: Sure. Well, you know, one of the things that you brought up, and this is where we're kind of jump into this a little bit, is you said, you went from uh, four plaques up to hotels, Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about investing in hotels and how how does that how has that been working?
2: Yeah, well, you know the big difference is um, hotels is it's it's like running a business. Okay, it is a business that happens to have land, real estate that it sits on top of. The biggest difference between I'm sure a lot of your listeners may be involved in multifamilies or fourplexes and things like mm-hmm. that. The big difference is I get to change my rent every day, okay, instead of a 12-month lease or a six-month lease. So, when the summer, when the winter, you know, it's like, you know, I can go from $60 a night up to $150, $200 a night, depending on if if a concert comes in, $250 a night. Um, plus, I get to, they come in and leave, then I get to reset it. And I have professional housekeepers that I pay per hour and they come in and clean it where every time you have someone that leaves and you're in a multifamily, now you have to repaint, re, you know, I mean, it could cost you $80, $100 plus to get that room ready for rent. Um, so there's just a lot of big differences. You know, I have employees uh, I'm able to uh, get SBA loans, you know. So I, there are some things because I'm considered each hotel is considered a small business. I was able to get the PPP, you know, the EIDLs. Um, I'm able to get, uh, you know, the different type of SBA help and SBA loans, and it's a commercial loan um, that is. It's a little bit different from from everything else. But it's, it's running a business, you know, in multifamily, you may have a maintenance guy, you may have some reservation, you know, or salespeople, um, a, a manager, but you know, here, my hotels have 15 to 18 employees, um, and you need a different type of team. Mm-hmm. So it's a little more, it's a little more involved, but I love it because it's, uh, to me, the rate of returns, um, the cap rates, you know, if you want to call it that, uh, is To me, a lot better than multifamily because we can gross a lot more. If you look at a $5 million hotel, $5 million multifamily, the hotel will always bid it as far as gross revenue.
1: So uh, do you have these uh, hotels across the country or how many do you have right now?
2: Mm -hmm. Right now, we have two. Um, within our operating group, we have one that is, uh, out in Georgia, but it burnt down. <laughs> no, no, you know, that's, that's another thing. That, but, uh, our, uh, operations guys handling that, but, uh, they're, they're flagged hotels. So, you know, I do like what, what we mean by flagged hotels is it's, is a franchise, and that's another thing that's a little bit different from multifamily. Um, we're under uh, the, like the Radisson brand name, uh, the Choice Hotels quality ends. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because now I don't have to market. I don't have to put in. Um, I just pay a fee and I get all the advertising I want. Right. Plus loyalty, you know, with, with cards and, you know, loyalty rewards and things like that.
1: So how do you, uh, you you pretty much manage this with those teams on site, then do you give them the authority to make those rate changes and, and negotiate? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of familiarity f- for us is that, you know, I have a daughter in hockey, so we we frequent hotels quite a bit and then they block out rooms. And mm-hmm. so there's got to be some negotiation going on there. So do you let your local staff handle all that?
2: Yeah. You know, that's, that's another great question. As far as groups like that, we have Uh, I I give them so much leeway and so much discount because they know that uh, if this is our rack rate, then we can discount it 20% or we can, you know, discount it a a certain amount. And then it just depends on what they want, Um, free breakfast, you know, free, you know, and then we kind of put it into a package. But yes, the, the general manager of each hotel can book that and then we just give them kind of the uh, how much of a, of a discount that we allow them to give? Everyone else, there are, um, you know, Radisson and Choice, and they do specials. You see the commercials all every day. Uh, You know, stay three nights, get a fourth free or stay two nights and you get 20% off. And so they do a lot of our advertising, a lot of our specials. And then we have what's called OTAs. And those are the third parties. Those are your Expedia, TripAdvisor, Booking.com. They also have their specials that through Radisson and through these different chains that they get, you know, it's it's, again, like, uh, uh, stay three nights, get the four, three prepay and you get 10% off and all of these different types of discounts. Uh, so most of it is done through corporate, but then our GM on a local level has the ability to, uh, and then our sales you know managers on, on, at the hotels are allowed to give some different type of discounts.
1: Sure. Well, during the you know, in the the deep of COVID, you know, you already mentioned being a, being qualified for some of these SBA loans and government programs. Uh, how did you fare?
2: Yeah, the the great thing, and a lot of people is like, is me with COVID." And you shouldn't look like you shouldn't think that way. You know, true entrepreneurs like, how can I learn from these things? And what it's taught us is one of our hotels was extremely profitable and did very well during COVID. And then the one that is in the business park, that is a really nice Radisson. And uh, it sits right in the middle of all this, you know, industrial, not industrial, but, you know, tech park and things like that. It didn't fare that well. It's because businesses were not traveling. People were not going into these corporate. And so the hotel that I thought was going to be fantastic is the one who suffered more. Now, we were able to keep all the hotels open because of the EIDLs and because of PPP and because of, uh, you know, help with staffing and things like that. So none of them closed. But, you know, what we learned is what type of hotel did the best uh, within our state. We're, We're here in Arizona. And nationally, which ones did well. So that changed our mind from when we now buy another one. Now we have this new benchmark, you know, instead of these Mm -hmm. fancy full service types of hotels. Wow. Which one did fantastic. The ones off of a major highway that had truck driver parking. Mm
0: -hmm. Because
2: who did not stop working during COVID truckers. And uh, just your... Not your full service, but you're just your mid-level hotel that gives you free internet and free breakfast, so that they can get up and go. Um, and you, and and the hotel space, we look at what's called drivers. Um, why? What is driving people to your hotel? So it's mm-hmm. a little bit different from just a residential. You plop down multifamily, and you just have people that live in that area. But we have drivers. So we have, well, the truck parking is a driver. Uh, it's near a hospital. That's another driver. It could be close to a university. That's another driver. But you look at now, a lot of us to say, well, you know, I'm just going to put up a hotel. It's near a ski resort. Or, well, the only driver is, well, it's in a business park. Well, hey, if those yeah. things go away, then you don't have a lot of driver. You don't have a lot of people going to it. Um. So wow, you know, I never thought that just a regular run-of-the-mill hotel with truck driver parking close to a hospital, and it did fantastic.
1: Sure, when when everything is back up and normal again, how do you typically find the uh, the leads or the, those residents coming in? You know, I you know, you got people, got all these online entities like Priceline and. And I suppose the franchise websites—you got all of this online booking, people calling directly, and then people just showing up hoping you have an open
2: room. Yeah, you know, we do get a—you get a lot of walk-ins, especially now during COVID. What's really interesting is our forecasts, our thirty-day forecast uh, has always been low during you know the last year and a half because a lot of people are doing. They're, they're walk-ins. They're just sitting there. It's like, well, last minute travel. Everyone is, is maybe traveling by car now instead of flying. So you get people that are like, oh man, I'm tired. I don't want to get into Phoenix. Let me Google real quick. You know, the, the person that's not driving, find a hotel. So we get that. Um, we're always looking at what's going on in the city. And then reaching out and and making sure you know what kind of concerts is are there some race cars what kind of events are coming in and then we kind of um, market to those type of events and tried to get on um we started marketing what really really helped us is when california locked down uh, and they stopped they, they even stopped outdoor activities i mean they completely locked down so we had a lot of the travel teams come into arizona to play for instance, softball or volleyball. And it was, it was crazy. We had two teams that lived their schools were four miles apart in San Diego. They traveled all the way to Arizona, stayed in the same hotel just to play each other. Mm. And, you know, so it's interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, we benefited on that. So what you do is you just, you reach out to those organizations. So it's, it's kind of different from, you know, with the multifamily because it's more of of picking out why are people coming in or, or we look at future um, revenue as far as, you know, what's coming in and, and how can we find ways of getting uh, future revenue. Um, and then some of the others are uh, – you know, like, is there a construction coming in? You know, is, is there, we're just kind of always looking, we're part of the chamber. We're always looking at getting emails and, and reaching out to the community and, and finding out is um, someone building a new factory, is someone buildings, and we might be able to get some of that, those people staying with us.
1: Sure. So, you know, d- before we go any further, I wanted to remind everybody, it's uh, gatewaype.com if you want to connect with Mike and his team. Otherwise, find Mike on LinkedIn. He's very active there. Um, Mike Stoller, I'll make sure to include that those links in the show notes, but the last name is spelled S-T-O-H-L-E-R if you uh, wanted to follow along. Well, Mike, um, I kind of want to circle back a little bit on, I'm I'm curious as to the profitability and what type of returns you're seeing in, in the hotel industry. This is such a unique animal to us. We haven't <laughs> really had a lot of discussion regarding this before. So yeah. in, I, I suppose you're right. You know, a, a lot of people, especially listening to my show, uh, they might be newer to real estate investing and multifamily is an aspirational goal, but still that would be like, how does that compare?
2: Yeah, it's it's a great question because I had to make that decision. Uh, when I sold my last, I had a, a 50 unit apartment complex, and I, I made so much money off of it that I was like, well, do I buy another multifamily or do I go into, into something else? And you know, with the multifamily, the cap rates, I don't know where most of your listeners are, but you know, the cap rates and the returns are in the man, they're getting in a three and a half, four, four and a half percent rate. And I was like, is that something that I want to do? And I just happened to, long story short, decided no. I wanted to get and I got into hotels. The hotels um, are sitting at around a 10 uh, to 12 to 15. So it's where the multifamily was back in 2000, maybe 12, right after the crash or mm-hmm. even then prior, you know, the, the early 2000s. But we are still let me preface that 2019 numbers or the, the hotels that, that did well. Um, a lot of the hotels during COVID are just struggling, you know, to stay open. So most of them, but regular numbers, a uh, minimum, if, if you look at loop net, you look at, you know, you look at the numbers and dive in uh, 10% return is fairly common and uh, you, you'll probably get even more.
1: Right. But you know, you, know
2: you, you look at it. You know, Jack. The the reason being is, you know, we base off of gross. Mm-hmm. And when you look at multifamily, you have a hundred unit multifamily, a hundred key hotel, the hundred unit multifamily. It, you're just going to take at 100 percent occupancy. You're going to take 100 times X, and right. it doesn't change. With hotels, I take 100 keys, but now I have, I have to comp, I have to calculate it every day, every day, every day, times 100, um, times seven days a week, times you know however many months and then days, and then all those rates are changing, so the gross is always a lot more. Now, granted, I have more expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a bigger staff. I have vendors. I have breakfast stuff, but it still does not um, match the gross revenue is so much higher that even with all those expenses, it still makes more uh, per year.
1: Right. No, that makes sense. You know, one one of the things that it's, it's always curious as, you know, uh, more and more people are getting into Airbnb and trying to get these, these, these to work. And in my location, we have yet to, I frankly couldn't get the numbers to work for me. I mean there there's not a lot of people flying for recreation to to Fargo, North Dakota. I mean, it's just <laughs> not it's just not the demand isn't there. Um, the turnover alone just would kills it. like I, mm-hmm. I couldn't get get it to work. But when you're talking about being in these locations like you say, and you're talking about the volume and then having the staff on site, mm-hmm. uh, that's when the numbers start to make sense.
2: Yeah, you know, you look at the Airbnbs and you look at multifamily just you're right the expense just to turn them over to fix them because you don't have the staff in house you have to hire someone to clean your Airbnb and it's $100 plus for mm-hmm. a couple hours of you know of work where for you know 1250 an hour i have experts that can go in and within 15 minutes or 20 minutes go in and just <laughs> And it's ready, you right. know, so we're just not spending that much money right. on the turnover.
1: Well, you know, based on everything you've told me here too now, uh, it sounds like not only are you relying on those those teams that are on site and you're you're kind of managing this remotely, mm-hmm. um, I would imagine you're also making some pretty heavy use of virtual assistants. How is that going for you?
2: Yeah, you know, that was... I think the game changer for me because here, all of your listeners, when, when they get in the single family and the, or the multifamily, at some point, you're going to be working in your business too much instead of on your business. And at some point, you're going to sit there and say, I need help. But in the back of your mind, you say, Well, help's going to cost me money. Mm-hmm. I can do it on my own. And then what happens is you don't grow. Is because you're paying bills, you're doing this, you're, you know, you're taking care of tenant calls and applications and all of this sort of stuff. But I also didn't want to pay fifteen to twenty dollars an hour, plus benefits, plus workman's comp, plus social security, plus all the all the taxes. So what I did is I saw the need and I started a company and I got the contacts and their virtual assistants. And there, the I I looked at you know the Philippines and you know that's where the standard ones come. But I was like, man, you know, the only time I can talk to them is if I get up at two a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you don't have a dedicated VA. So what I did is I created a company, and these VAs are from Mexico, so the time difference is maybe the same you know, they're on, most of them are on central standard or or mountain standard time and they're college educated. And I pay $7 an hour for a college educated person that works 40 hours a week or whatever. And man, do they want to work? I mean, it's just like, and they love to learn because it's resume work. They do all my show notes. They do all of my I don't do anything with my podcast anymore with my single family homes. They process the applications, they take all of the maintenance calls, they call the maintenance, they do everything. And it it's it's that changed my life. And you know, we don't pay any taxes on that. We don't have any withholdings from that. Um, you know, they have to do that. You don't have to 1099 them. So it's just seven bucks an hour and you get a college educated person that really wants work. And that's what changed, really changed my business so that I could sit there, train them. And here's the thing is it's not a team. I have a dedicated, basically like an employee that's Mm -hmm. down there that I can train. And I know that, you know, every three or four days when someone quits that I, that I'm not getting this new VA Um, that has allowed me to sit there and say, okay. Now I can concentrate. What what's my next goal? What's my next thing that I want to work on? Uh, you know, they input, the bills for all my hotels. I mean, I I don't do any of that stuff, and it's just that has saved me so much money um, rather than hiring people from the United States that don't want to work. You know, and, and or they want twenty dollars an hour just to input bills.
1: So how long have you found that they they stick with you? You know, it sounds like you you mentioned that. This is a resume builder for them. That would typically mean that they are using you to, for the next best thing. So how well, long do they typically yeah, sit?
2: I've had uh, VAs now for three years. Um, it, when I say resume builder, it's what it is is at, at $7 an hour, you have to understand that that translates into a very, very good middle-class income for them. And even if they move on and do things, they're going to make $5 an hour, $4 an hour. So $7 an hour is very good. And the fact that they're working for an American company, whether Mm -hmm. it be an LLC or whatever, they don't care. But what I mean by resume building is they're just building up this experience so that if basically if I were to let them go, they could go in and say, look, hey, I know. QuickBooks. I know this software. I know Microsoft. I, I know how to do show notes, I know how to do podcasts. I know how to do editing. Uh, so that's what I mean by building up. That's why they don't quit is because they're just getting so much experience in, in all this. Um, but, you know, I, I've set, um, placed several of the VAs and people are like going, oh my God, if I if had known just how much money we can save, just in tax withholdings and things like that, and uh, and, and the fact that these college-educated people are, I mean, it, it's 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 amazing. It's like they're just so eager to learn and so eager. It's like, wow, I work for an American company. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so important to them, uh, and and to us, just like my God, you know, like seven dollars an hour, and and what we do is we start them out at five. And then you have a see if it works period
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then he goes to seven dollars an hour and
1: uh, so do, when somebody engages your company to help them with this type of mm-hmm. thing, how is there a certain number of hours you have to commit to?
2: No it can be it's it's whatever I have I have there's applicants in Mexico right now that uh, they currently work and are looking for part-time work in in their field. So what we do is we get in a call with everyone and, you know, it's, we are real estate conscious, you know, that is our specialty with the VAs. And we sit down and talk with the the prospect, you know, the company, what do you want? And what we do is we basically build out a a work description, you know, job description. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then we set up the interviews and uh, we just kind of go back and forth, you know, with that. And you actually interview these people to see which one fits best. And then, you know, we have like a ninety-day ninety-day guarantee. If it just doesn't happen to work, then we guarantee that within ninety days we'll find someone that does. Um, but you know, full time, part time, it's you know the best thing is that you have one person. Not, you know, every time you call in, it's just it's not this pool. If you look in the Philippines and you look in, in, in Asia, um, there may be 50 VAs on one room and they're just all doing things for every shift. They're working for a different person, a different company, and they're just doing this. This is a, a dedicated uh, person yeah. that wants to work for you and wants to learn. So it's it's really helped out
1: well i i would imagine that helps out in a lot of ways especially you know uh, you get used to how each other works and mm-hmm. and uh, and you can quickly kind of find each other's rhythm and
2: yeah and you know it it's because we put them on like a vpn um, phone system you know if the, it's something that you want to do um you can actually give them a local phone number mm mm-hmm. So they're calling Mexico, but they're calling a Fargo phone number. Sure. And these people have such great English accents, um, you know, that it really works out. So it's, uh, it works out and they're just so eager to learn. It's just like, I mean, they're like going, thank you so much. They're so appreciative that they have a good paying job and they want to please you so much um, that I just love it. You know, we, we give our, our VAs, you know, um, Christmas breaks, Christmas bonuses, you know, and because it's like to them, it's so big, but you know, I'll give them a week pay at Christmas, seven bucks an hour. I mean, it's like, it's, but to them, it's like, oh my God, you know, there's that, that's our entire Christmas. So mm-hmm. it, it, I, I love it because I'm helping both sides.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, no, that's really interesting. We could spend a whole episode just talking mm-hmm. about that entrepreneurial spirit that you obviously have and, and mm-hmm. starting all this this venture up and and um but uh one more time I just wanted to remind everybody head over to gatewaype.com uh look for Mike Stoller on LinkedIn. Um this has been a really interesting conversation I appreciate you uh, bearing with me as we jumped from hotel investing to virtual assistants but Um, really interesting in in learning uh, how you run your business. Before I let you go, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here tonight?
2: Boy, you know, you you hit on a lot of things. It's just, you know, if you're starting out, uh, let me reiterate, you know, uh, get a mentor, get a team, figure out what you want to do. But number one is, is don't, Get into this analysis paralysis. Uh, you know, there's a sign that's above my desk right now, and it's been there for 20-some years. The sign says, build a life that you don't need a vacation from. And I think that's all of our goals. Get out of the nine-to-five grind, get out of whatever, and sit there and say, wow, I can do my real estate from an RV. I can do it wherever I want in the entire world because I've built up that team. So the best thing is everyone just get out there and do it. This is the hottest market. And another thing that I'll leave a tidbit is all of your anxiety, all of the reasons and excuses for why you're not doing it, the real, those excuses and that anxiety is real inside of your head, but it's not the truth. Okay. It only lives inside of your head. It's not the truth. Um, so don't let the excuses stop you from this and real estate is just a fantastic life. It's been very, very good for me.
1: Yeah. So, uh, one, one more time, you know, I was going to mention, ask you, uh, if they were interested in the virtual assistants, um, mm-hmm. would they also find that information at gatewaype.com or is that a different yeah. place?
2: Gateway com, And then you'll see a tab on the very top that says VA.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and uh, then you go in and uh, there's a little chat box or an email box if you're interested. And uh, if you have any more questions about it, just look me up on LinkedIn and just say that you're a part of this real estate group, this podcast, and you have a question, and I'd be more than happy, even you know, a 10-minute call if you want, or just uh, shoot me a, a question on LinkedIn and uh, be happy to answer it
1: yeah, and I, I would imagine that you cover this plus many of your other topics on your podcast. So mm-hmm. look for the rich the richer geek podcast. Subscribe to that here right now and uh, do uh, us both a favor and get get that done. So really appreciate your time. This was a great conversation and I hope you uh, would consider coming back again sometime.
2: Absolutely, Thank you, sir.
0: This has been the REI Mastermind network.